Welcome everybody to the Tripolitan. This is our second episode and you have Rafat Yamak with you. I'm really excited for this uh, for this episode. And honestly, it's been weighing on my mind for a long time and weighing on many people's minds for a long time because although I'm excited to delve into it, it is a heavy topic and uh, there's a lot of emotions attached to this topic. Um, today we have a special guest, Ruqayya Turdush who is a Uyghur Canadian human rights activist, writer, and researcher at the Uyghur Research Institute. And before we begin, I really wanted just to offer uh, Rukhaya my condolences to your people, to the Uyghur people who have been experiencing uh, severe hardships, hardships that we haven't heard about since, honestly, you know, since the horrific times of medieval times or something along those lines. You hear stories and you read articles about what's happening in East Turkestan and you can't help but to feel extreme emotion about what's going on. So I just wanted to send my condolences before we begin today's episode. So welcome Ruqayya Turdush to the Tripolitan. We're lucky to have you here and thank you for agreeing to be on. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you Ruqayya, I really appreciate it. And uh, there is much to discuss regarding the uh, ongoing genocide that's happening against the Uyghur people. Um, if you can give us a brief summary of the Uyghur people, uh, who are the Uyghur people? Um, what does the word Uyghur mean even? Uh, I think many people are curious to learn more uh, about uh, your peoples. So the floor is yours. Uh, Uyghur people are Turkic-speaking uh, Muslims, Sunni Muslims. They live in the right now, currently northwest China. This the name of this place. The region was East Turkestan. It was an independent country and colonized by China. Uyghur people. Uyghur means united nations. I mean, united people because Turkic people has uh, many tribes before, and they were become united and they established states. So they they called it state united states city um city states like many many years ago they established uh, states independent states and that means united so like a uyghur means uy means united uyghur means united people so um they were muslim majority of uyghurs are muslim maybe few i don't know but other religion and they speak Turkic, one of the Turkic dialect, like close to Central Asian people, Uzbek, Kazakhs, and like that. And they live in uh, East Turkestan. East Turkestan has natural boundaries as well as a constructed border formed by the Great Wall, if you look at the map. In the past, before the Mongol and the Manchu invasion to the region, the Uyghurs established their own kingdoms, like I said, and the status as uh, such as the, the former Edukut Uyghur state, uh, state and the Karahanli state. Um, today, the Chinese government claims that East Turkestan was part of its former Han Dynasty. Since Han Dynasty, this area belonged to China. But this claim remains like unfounded. The 
Han Dynasty only captured the Turpan area of the region. Just the Turpan is a one small city over there. That area, a minute portion of the west region of Tarim and the Jungaria of East Turkestan. And it, it was very short period in uh, 120 BCE. The Han Chinese state was never able to rule East Turkestan until after 1949, until China established that Chinese communist nation state. So People's Republic of China. Very, very interesting. I mean, you know, you, you, you see the Uyghur people, you hear about the Uyghur people, and they're obviously very distinct from the rest of, from the rest of, you know, main, mainland China, basically. The Uyghurs are Turkic people, whereas the Chinese, you have the Han Chinese, you have Hui. And I don't, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing these names, so feel free to, you know, interject whenever I'm mispronouncing. Even the word Uyghur, I, I feel like I mispronounced it. It's I feel like you, the way you said it was Uyghur, right? Uyghur, yes. Uyghur. Uyghur, okay. Okay, and it's I've seen, uh, I've met some Uyghur people here in uh, in Texas, and I've seen them communicate with Turkish people, and it seems like they have no issues uh, understanding each other at all. Like, even though... The geographic, uh, you know, the geographic distance between each other is so massive. You cannot uh, understand right away, but if you communicate one month, you will learn. Uh huh. So it's easy to pick up. Yeah, easy to pick up because it's dialect. It's not totally hundred percent similar. It's like um sixty percent similar, maybe sixty or seventy. Okay. 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 Great. That's uh that's interesting because, like I said, uh, even I was reading this report actually. Uh, it's easier for Turkish people from Turkey, you know, basically, to understand Uyghur people more so than Kazakh and Uzbek even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the roots of the word are similar. Grammar is the same. So like, because Turkish language in right now in Turkey was changed a lot too because they accept a lot of French and English words, right? Mm -hmm. So like, uh, that's why. Uh, but many words still they kept. But Uyghurs kept original Turkish words. That's why. Okay, language, so I guess I mean. so. I guess the Uyghurs speak the most pristine Turkic Turkish out of all the Turkic people. Yeah, Mahmud Kashkari, who wrote the Turk Turkic language dictionary, was uh -huh. in Kashgar in that region uh -huh. in East Turkestan. He came from there. He he was born there, born there. You know. Interesting. And Kashgar, I mean, speaking of Kashgar, since you just brought it up, it's a city with profound history, Islamic history. A lot of scholars emerged from this area. Yep. Uh, I, I guess m most people now, they know Urumqi because Urumqi is the capital of the East Turkestan region. But Kashgar also played a tremendous role in Islamic history and in the region of the area. Would you, would you have any more information about Kashgar and its contributions to Islamic history and history in general in the area? Kashgar was when we um, established um, the Karahanli state. Mm -hmm. the, the Kashgar and these area was the densely populated with Uyghurs, and that was the Karahanli was Islamic state. So mm -hmm. that's why Kashgar play important role in Islamic history. And uh, we had a hundred years uh, mosque there called Eitka Mosque too. Mm -hmm. So like. We, we had other Uyghur state, the Edekut Uyghur state and Turpan area too, but at that time they were, they, they were Buddhist 
uh, not uh, Islamic state, not Islamic at that time, uh -huh. the Uyghurs in other area, not in Kashgar. So like a first Atush, Kashgar, those areas um, become Muslim, then other areas um, become Muslim. Islam is spread first came there and then spread to other places as well. And that was the capital of Karahanli uh, state too, the Yarkan, Kashgar, those areas. Um, Sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but just quick. When you say Karakhandi, just for our audience, Karakhandi, this is in modern day Kazakhstan? No, 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 no. It's Karakhandi state we established the, before the Mongol invaded in that area. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right. When when I hear Karakhandi, I think of the city Karakhandi in uh, in Kazakhstan. I, I, I misheard you. Uh, no. Okay, okay, okay um okay great uh so i guess i mean so after after the you know after when islam comes to uh east turkestan and uh even in i remember reading that even the early companions of the prophet muhammad وسلم, they had arrived to china uh you know way back when during that during the beginning of islam spread all over the world so it's very interesting to know about islam's deep roots in this area it's not something that just came a couple hundred years ago. Islam has been in East Turkestan for a very long time. Yeah, thousand years almost. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, so. So, are you were you born in uh, Rukayya? Were you born in uh, East Turkestan, or were you born yeah, somewhere else? I was else? born in East Turkestan. In Orumchi or Kashgar? Where were you exactly? Gulja. Okay, You're, where would that be in the in the map? It is in the north. It's um border of Kazakhstan. It's uh, close to Soviet, uh, I mean, those Central Asia's border of Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. Those areas. Okay. 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 Very interesting. And uh, your family was also for, also from the same area. Your your father and mother. Yes. Okay. Um, I guess a lot of people also, you know, for, moving on from the fact that unfortunately many people don't know about. East Turkestan's tremendous role in Islamic history, even in our modern era, East Turkestan at, multi, at two at, in two points of history in our modern era. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, East Turkestan was an independent country at one point, two times. Yes. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Would you would you briefly kind of go over those two independent periods of this region and how long they were independent before they were annexed by China? Okay, so talk about that. I have to go back again. When China claimed East Turkestan and the, the, mm -hmm. the part of the China, so like um, they actually invaded East Turkestan in 1949 after this mm -hmm. Chinese Communist state established. Before that, Manchu Empire invaded the re invaded the region, and uh, uh, Manchu Empire the, um, invaded in 1864, and uh, like at that time. No, wait a minute. East Turkestan defeating the Manchu Empire, and because they they attacked in 1756, and then after eight years war, um, they um, they defeated that they finally defeated the the people of East Turkestan and the Manchu Empire and the regaining, but they fight again the Manchu Empire and the regaining their independence in 1864 and they established a state called Yetishahar State before the Manchu Empire's second invasion in 1884. So between 1864 and 1884, we established Yetishahar State 
in that area. And then 1884, Manchu invaded again, and that that this time the Manchu won in the war, and they gave us gave the area changed the name of the area, the region they call Xinjiang, which means newly annexed, new dom, newly dominated region. So Xin means in Chinese is new region, uh, Jiang means is region, so newly annexed new region for them, for the Chinese. So they give like that name. And the at this, but this was Manchu Empire. That's not the Han Chinese state, nation state, or mm -hmm. it's different than right now's China, because right now China majority is ethnic Han Chinese. At that time, that was the Manchu, but Manchu didn't come with the settlers like China right now. They controlled with military, so they didn't control completely, actually. They just used the local um, leaders and controlled like that. Mm -hmm. and then the recent political history of the Uyghurs during the World War II has been effectively distorted in China's official history. They said it's that this area, Xinjiang, is inseparable part of China. They've never been in nation state, but that's totally wrong. It's um, it, it's um, they it's totally wrong because 1933, uh, East was established independent East Turkestan Republic, and it was. Um, overthrown with the Soviet Union and the, the militaries, bake it with the militaries. And then again, Uyghur people uprising, um, the people of East Turkestan uprising again, they established again in 1944, Second East Turkestan Republic. Um, this republic was exist six years, but it was established before the Chinese communist nation state and the Chinese national identity, because at that time there was no Chinese. We had only 6% Han Chinese in the region. And that we established independent East Turkestan Republic in 1944, and China was established in 1949, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like we were, exist before then, them. And 1949, with the help of the Stalin, they tried to enter again in 1955, that finally they controlled us again. So they they again invaded us despite decolonization at that time. So Stalin assisted the Chinese Communist Party in annexing East Turkestan? Yes. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, because we had a lot of cotton and the coal, so like Stalin would like to get benefit from the cotton and the coal. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, and the, they, they said, okay, that we, we had this, um, in US, um, there is um, in the, it's university library, some of the many of the, which one I don't remember one of the university library, and I checked online, there's a telegram between Stalin and the China's leader Mao Zedong mm. telegrams and the Stalin urged him to invade the region to colonize this region so he can benefit the cotton and the coal so they can share they can get those natural resources together at that time us didn't do anything too because they um they support the china against the japan because japan attacked the us right so like a japan mm -hmm. invaded in china and mm -hmm. uh, stalin doesn't want to japan uh, japan invade in manchuria too in, in Serbia, siberia at that area mm -hmm. so like he was fighting with japan too so that's why 
I think that just because of the Japan, um, Stalin, they don't want us to independent. He want to please the China and the U.S. don't want to, uh, the U.S. want to please the China, China, to support China too. So that's why they didn't, nobody care when China invade to East Turkestan. Right, right. That's, uh, that's, that's really important historical context because sometimes, you know, many people, they wonder how, how did this annexation happen with such little international outcry? And then when you because when you, of when, big powers play, you know, yes. big powers, they they just want to um, in, victimize us because of their own national interest. Right, right. I mean, moving moving on now from from the history of East Turkestan, and uh, you know, honestly, it's it's a glorious history, but also there's very sad milestones in East Turkestan's history. And one of the, one of the most recent, uh, you know. I'm trying to find a word to honestly describe it. This 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 monstrosity that's occurring in East Turkestan by the Chinese state, uh, this genocide that's being perpetrated by the U uh, against the Uyghur people. Uh, one of their tactics, obviously, which you know more than me, is the demographics change that they're trying to do to the region. So they're getting Han Chinese settlers to settle in, and not only that, now they're placing Han Chinese in Uyghur homes. This is yep. something that has been documented. And uh, if you can just expand on what the Chinese state has been doing against the Uyghur people, obviously we've seen the internment camps, the stories about the internment camps, which has, you know, has many people are extremely disturbed to see these pictures and videos emerging in the 21st century. If you can just expand on what the Chinese state is doing, and if you have any personal connections to some of these stories emerging uh, from East Turkestan. Even though the territory of East Turkestan, recognized by the United Nations as a Chinese territory today, um, at since that decolonization period, it's not fair, but still the Chinese government does not feel comfortable because they know that we are the different people. Uh, our, our religion is different, we look different, and the territory are to totally is not belong to them. So mm -hmm. they planned since a long time, since they were invaded, since they are colonized the region. They are founders of Chinese Communist Party. Said we have to, uh, when we have to annex these border territories, uh, Tibet, um, East Turkestan, and the Mongolia, and we have to as forcibly assimilate these people. These people has to be Han Chinese. So their purpose is to make us to be Han Chinese, transformed us, uh, transformed Uyghurs into Han Chi ethnic Han Chinese. But it is very difficult for them because we believe in Islam and we're not going to be transformed into easily. We're not, the Uyghurs not going to be assimilated easily, become Han Chinese. It is so difficult for them. And we don't have, before the 2017, we don't have any, any marriage, interracial marriage. Nobody, because we are religion is, they don't believe in God. We believe in God. So nobody going to marry with Han Chinese, even like mm -hmm. a, economic purpose or anything even Uyghurs are so poor so hardship so difficulty there's no marriage 0.001 percent maybe no 0.01 percent they found 
Mm-hmm. And the Chinese statistics say, how come it's a very low marriage? How are we going to assimilate these people? They never marry with us, uh, with the Han Chinese. They they don't interact and they, uh, this is, we have to change. We have to do something to forcibly assimilate these people, forcibly eradicate these people. Because they were thinking this, their strategy is we have to eradicate them. If mm-hmm. we cannot change them, they the Han general, the one of the general, one at the military school, he gives speech and he said, if they become, if we can change them, if they become Han Chinese, we can keep them. If we cannot change them, kill them, kill all of them, mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. say it like that. So you have to to be survive. You have to be Han Chinese. If not, mm-hmm. they're gonna kill you. And what if your face not look like them, even you change everything? They still hate you because you don't look like them. So this this kind of um, hatred, because they were thinking we are we, we believe in Islam, we are Muslim, cannot assimilate mm-hmm. us. So like that hatred caused the genocide because when you hate somebody, that hate caused the violence, right? So they hate us and they, they try to just... Uh, just eliminate these people. They were thinking like that. And they had a government strategy for that too, but none of the government gonna plan and uh, write down their plan that they're going to eliminate one nation from the earth, right? They don't say, they don't write down that, but whatever they're doing repeatedly, the consequences showing the eliminating these people, even they know the well, they very well known the devastating consequences. Still, they, they repeatedly implementing the policies, those devastating, destructive policies. So they know the consequences. So that's mean they know that they're going to eliminate us, and but they don't write down in anywhere. So that's why what they're doing is they incarcerated since 2017 they incarcerated one to three million Uyghurs and other Turkic Muslims too it's crazy in concentration camps separated yeah. women and men is not in the one camp so separated they indoctrinated and tortured in the camp we had many eyewitnesses camp survivors um, who managed to escape from China it's impossible to escape from China but those women um, married mm. with the foreign nationals so their husband and other country so they have other countries passports that's that's how they escape after two mm-hmm. three years they released because one of the women one of the camp survivors husband is Pakistani and another one's husband is Kazakhstan another one has a Kazakhstan permanent residence paper so those mm-hmm. kind of people escaped and they told us what happened to them mm-hmm. and inside the camp how they tortured and how they raped the women is terrible thing is maybe you read the BBC news too that there is a mass state-sponsored mass rape camp there is a camp as a you see like a huge camps there the women describe every day every night they just took the girls and young women and then when they come back they just looks like lost like a become ghost you know and they yeah. were bruised some of them are never come back they were killed over there so it's a mass rape has happened many times to many women is always in the camp and that's torture exit uh, exists and the camp survivors told us the torture how they torturing these women and the men in there they also the experimenting they are they using their blood and experimenting this blood and making some kind of bio um, chem- 
biomedicine maybe bio kind of bio so they taking the blood and dna of in blood samples and the dna of, dna of entire uyghur population yeah. they're taking every day the blood samples too many blood from the camp uh, people in the camp and they also taking dna the entire uyghur population inside the camp and outside the camp there's no difference so what they're gonna, gonna do with this and another thing is it's a very scary thing even you are not inside the camp mm -hmm. you are monitored 24 hour with video cameras and yeah. with your phone and everything every move and that's not enough they still sent the male hand cadres that the china acknowledged that they said oh we sent these male hand cadres to the people's home the uyghurs home to for the ethnic unity what is this? Many of them women were arrested and they said that oh, their husbands were arrested. We sent male hand cadres to help them. This is in China's state media. If the yeah. woman is single, you're going to send, if their husband were arrested with the kids, we have the videos too, and they send the male hand Chinese cadres to sleep over there and sharing their home, dining table and everything. This is unacceptable. In Islam and in our culture, it's a gross violation of privacy. Nobody can accept that. Not only Muslims, nobody, you know, but they do that. And these Han Chinese cadres manip manipulate these women. If they don't uh, treat them nicely, they said your husband gonna be uh, going to be killed in the camp because their husband were already arrested. So they they afraid that they husband going to be tortured in the camp because these uh, male Han cadres give them the score. Um, when they sleep over in their home. So, like, this is a crazy situation. Yeah. You know, it, it's more it's more than unacceptable. It's it's truly barbaric. It's stories yeah, it that you barbaric. would... It's stories that you wouldn't hear in the worst... Like, this is... These are kind of stories that you wouldn't see in the worst horror novels and the horror... Yeah, beyond the human imagination. Yeah. You see, like, I can't... I don't know yeah. how they imagine and find out, like, that thing, you know. You know, it's... Uh, this can go on and on. Of course, there's a forced sterilization that's happening as well for against Uyghur women. It's the the list is the list of barbaric uh, acts being committed by the Chinese state knows no bounds. This this is something that the whole world is starting to slowly realize. You know, I want I want to just ask you um, because China is really a planet in itself. They have their own social media pages. Uh, you know, they don't deal with Facebook, Google. They have, you know, for example, like, I, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing this, Weibo. WeChat, yeah. For, or WeChat, exactly. Do you feel like there's any sympathy from the average Han Chinese, some kind of understanding? Or is there either there, I don't know, do you see any solidarity campaigns, even on social media anonymously, or is this non-existent? On social no, media. not existent. And just in recent days, on the clubhouse, because in the clubhouse, like other um, other people around the world can see what they can hear, what they're saying, right? And mm -hmm. the, the, I didn't participate uh, that many times, just the one or two times in the clubhouse. And I heard the other Chinese people were saying, like, uh, the impossible, the these mm -hmm. kinds of things. They exist. Of course, there there is a pressure on them, but because uh, pressure on them, but they exaggerating. That cannot be genocide. Uh, no, there is no genocide. They just exaggerating. There is a pressure, but we, they don't have the China. Don't we don't have an intention to eliminating them. 
So they cannot, because there is a fact, everything is true. So they cannot um, deny what's happening there, but they de they denying the genocide. Like they say, no, they're, they're exaggerating. Um, maybe there is a mm -hmm. pressure, but not that strong. They, they're saying like yeah. that. And the, some people say um, it is, we, some, some of the people and saying that um, they just, uh, these people are terrorists, extremists, um, mm -hmm. religious extremists that's why our country is using um, a very effective policy to control these people and other countries mm -hmm. should use like that uh, effective policy too to control the terrorism um, since 2017 uh, since our countries our government implemented those kind of policy there is no terrorism and or violence acts happened in the region it's stabilized it's so quiet Uyghurs are scared right now they can't do anything so this policy is very effective they even supporting some Chinese people some Chinese people just said oh I don't think it's that much harsh it's they are just exaggerating and some of them say that that's the US maybe the day just the US media Western media is playing so the people mm -hmm. is Chinese people completely following the CCP's propaganda line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They just a the mouthpiece of CCP propaganda. That makes me very surprised what, why they just repeating what the gover what their government saying because they know the situation really well, but they don't want to uh, like talk about it or stand up for the justice for the right side because mm -hmm. they are the beneficiaries too settlers because china colonizing mm. this place not only with the military but with the settlers chinese demographically and when these people move in they go there they're gonna get free land free house and the job right. they can get uyghurs houses and they can get job and they can even get uyghur beautiful uyghur women whatever they choose and the, the if the woman refused and the government said you have an ideological problem you're going to a concentration camps so-called re-education re camp so the chinese just can say that i wanted this woman so they can take it like that so this is this is that's the benefit for them so they want to dominate they they want to get everything and they they don't want to give up this benefit and even they pretend to be nice person doesn't want to be bad guy and they say oh we didn't know we never seen because uh, we didn't hear that sometimes do that or sometimes they said oh we scared of our government that's why we can't say anything but actually they know how come they don't know whole world knows how come they don't know right they are there yeah. they can see that they can get everything but actually they are the part of their they are come com they for what that uh, uh, communist government doing this for their mm. people and right. these people getting benefit these settlers getting benefit so the, those settlers supporting their government of course government's of barbaric course. action of course there is no doubt you know I'm, I'm also curious since we just spoke about the han chinese and social media is there any uh, do you see there's maybe some kind of solidarity from other oppressed people in china like people in tibet hong kong even Hui, even Hui Muslims, is there anything kind of yes. visible or not really? Yeah, yes, because Hong Kong people before, they, they never talk about Uyghurs. They were so quiet, right? They didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Looks like they didn't care. But mm -hmm. after the, that, uh, what happened in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. they realized, they see the real color of CCP. So then they start to support independence of East Turkestan. 
And right. Taiwan too, Taiwan understand before and the Taiwan, Taiwan independence forces, they support too before. Um, mm -hmm. Tibet, we had, uh, we had a good relationship too, but Tibet is just, um, um, what can I, what, what I'm going to say, like, uh, they just working on for their own issues and we are working on for our own issues and we don't right. have too much like a very close network but still we cooperating with them and the Hui Muslims you're talking about they support yes. us too but they are very vegan they are inside China that they can't do much mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay okay and I guess after just discussing you know the internal uh, peoples that are found within today's Chinese borders uh, I wanted to move on and discuss the international community. So as a Uyghur, uh, how do you feel about the international community response? Could more be done? And I really want to touch upon one thing, which is the, you know, there's a huge debate uh, that's going on in Turkey about the extradition ratification process that's happening. And as you know, there's a lot of Uyghurs in Turkey uh, seeking refuge. And a lot of Uyghurs now are also pretty scared about the fact that if this, if this extradition treaty is signed with uh, China, that they may end up back in China, the Uyghurs in Turkey may end up back in China and in the internment camps. So it's a two-part question, the international response and this Turkish ratification extradition law. That is really bad news for Uyghurs. It's a very disappointing. Uh, we never expect that Turkey will have an extradition treaty with China because the China, of course, is going to ask the Uyghur people. Uh, if they, if China, if Turkey ratified um, this treaty, but China ratified the treaty, but Turkey didn't ratify it yet. Uh, we put Uyghurs in diaspora, put pressure, and Turkish people support the Uyghurs too. And I don't think Turkish government ratified this treaty and can implement this treaty easily. I think they're gonna get huge pressure if they do that, and they. I will, hope so. They, they will destroy their re reputation. I think Turkish government should think about it, that too. And mm -hmm. it, because the international world is supporting, especially in US and uh, the Europe, I mean, mm -hmm. not Europe, especially US and Canada right now recognize mm -hmm. the, um, China's genocide, uh, mm -hmm. the Canadian parliament and uh, the former state secretary, Mike Pompeo recognized mm -hmm. and Blinken said he would agree to Pompeo's judgment too. So like these countries is hugely supporting and supporting Uyghur refugees and the media, academics and Western media, academics in West as they are hugely supporting and intellectuals, they're supporting the Uyghur cause and the population too. I live in Canada and 80% Canadian population is strongly against China because of their oppression Uyghurs. We don't mm -hmm. have much community in here, but Turkey said, oh, like, uh, that's uh, maybe they just are playing the Uyghur, Uyghur cause against the China. That's not, the, mm -hmm. they, they just follow the Chinese propaganda and they were saying like that, they playing the stake, uh, they playing the Uyghur cause as a stake against the China for their own diplomatic relations. Okay, maybe they're using, but that's the fact that what is happening is there is truth. Why don't you use them, right? Why don't right, you do something, right. right? They don't do anything and they say it like that. But actually, it was not like that. Look at the Canada. I live in Canada. The Can mm -hmm. Canada has a 
a headache with Ming Manzhou's issues, and two Michael was abducted by the China, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a huge issue with China, and the, the Canadian government really doesn't have a stomach to say that, uh, say something that make China upset because we have so many issues with China right now to deal mm -hmm. with it. And if Canada don't, when the Canada, if Canada upset the China, they gonna, they not gonna buy the Canada canola oil. Uh, we selling them right. the oil to petrol. They don't to buy that, and that's going to be huge economic damage to Canada and a billion dollars economic um, harm. Right. And the same right. time, uh, we have a diplomatic relations to how we're going to get back that to Michael that if the China gets so upset. And these things they're going to think about it too. Despite that we had uh, so many issues there to deal with China, the Canada, the Parliament members. The vote for the motion, 266 to zero. None mm -hmm. of the parliament member against the motion to Amazing. recognize China's genocide. None of them. 72 of the cabinet, just, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's cabinet members uh, with Justin Trudeau abstained the vote, but that does not mean that against. They didn't mm -hmm. against the vote. They just abstained, kept neutral. They were thinking about because they cannot say no. For right. they said the Canadian government said this is not if they using how they gonna use the Uyghur cause as a stake because we have only imagine we have only in this country three thousand to four hundred four thousand Uyghurs okay whole Canada mm -hmm. and only mm -hmm. in Ontario we have around one thousand Uyghurs. Mm -hmm. Imagine the Chinese community, they are huge. In Toronto itself, in this area, more than 10,000 mm -hmm. Han Chinese. And Vancouver is full of Chinese city. So they give, they give more vote to those parliament, uh, parliament members. If these parliament members think about the vote and yeah. the Chinese community's support, or they would like to use the Uyghurs as a, Uyghur cause as a stake against the China something, why they have to vote to this, um, the motion recognizing China's genocide, you know? So it's against, right. the, it's, it's not good for their benefit. But they said we cannot, this genocide, it cannot be any country exclusive internal issue anybody has to uh, intervene this because this is human issue you know this is genocide is barbarically killing other human there nobody should be stand bystander and uh, silently looked up this so we cannot um, we cannot uh, we have to separate our national interest and the, the, the preventing the genocide so this is the right. right thing. They cannot stand up for the right thing. But as other Muslim countries, including Turkey, they were thinking, oh, West is playing. That's a West's game. They're playing this for their own benefit. I don't know the U.S. much, but think about Canada. They don't have any benefit. But if they recognize the China as genocide, maybe that's, that's going to be a huge headache for them, not the benefit. Mm -hmm. you know. Still, mm -hmm. they did, you see. Yes, yes, 100%. I see what you mean. And unfortunately, you know, there are other states like Egypt, for example, who were who expelled the Oilers from their yeah, country. And all of these kids, all of these kids, some of them yeah. 17, some of them 18, eight, 17 to 26 years old, all of these kids, when they were returned, disappeared. All of them on, at, at the airport, they were arrested and disappeared. We don't know, maybe right. they were already killed. We don't know what's happened to these kids right now. You know? Right, right. Honestly, uh, you know, there's there's just so much to say about this, and uh, uh, it's 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 difficult to really to be able to handle this emotional, 
emotional bombardment of just news when you when you hear and read these articles that are coming out of East Turkestan. I wanted to end this um, this episode with one final question, Rukhaya. Honestly, like I said, you've you've really shed light on so many great uh, facts, historical facts about East Turkestan, while shedding light about the atrocities that are currently happening. Unfortunately, how can the average person the average person, you know, say, for example, living in the United States or in Europe or in the Arab world or in India or wherever, how can he be of assistance to the East Turkestani or the Uyghur cause? What can we do to assist what you guys are to assist you guys in what you guys are going through? The China right now transferring millions of Uyghur girls to inland China for forced labor and slave mm-hmm. labor. We have a witness who worked in the forced labor camp, uh, escaped to the Kazakhstan, and they say the China said we paying to them. They propagandizing these girls as working nicely. We they found a job. Those kind of propaganda they giving, but actually that's all of them are fake news. They just uh, uh, making like that. Let the girls talk like that. Those girls are scared. Scared. Of course, when they taking the video, they just ask them to memorize what the Chinese Communist Party say. They're going to say, oh, I have a beautiful life. I'm living like that. That's all fake. It's like a movie, you know. But right. the real story behind this is totally different when people that the camp survivors or eyewitnesses come to tell us. It's totally different. These these women were suffering. They were separated, ripped apart from their, their families. Unmarried girls were separated from their community and the male population. So how are they gonna marry with the Uyghur men and then re- to contribute reproduction to the population? In this way, the Uyghur population going to decline quickly, right? And then mm-hmm. married women even separated from their children and the family, sent with the many years contract to inland China. One of the girl in TikTok video and China's Douyin video, she was talking, I have little child, she was crying, she said, I must have to sign the contract and to go to the work at the factory and they have to take my child. So only I can see uh, two weeks a time, once my child come back, I, I must do that. And in the in that the facility, the children's facility care, those those are not the orphanage kids that some, a lot of orphanage kids, that's a different, different issue. I will talk about it. Those kids were more than 500 million, 500,000 half million Uyghur kids were taken to orphanage camps because they were parents were arrested. And what this woman talking about here, she was not arrested. Her husband was not arrested. She was, she's outside of the camp, the person outside of the camp, but government forced her to go to sign the contract and work at the factories. So they're going to take her child, like residential day, residential um, daycare, not the daycare, residential um, kids facility center, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. like that. So these kids going to stay there. And she was crying. She said, my kids come back. They poured on hot water, the kids. So my kids is scared of water right now. She's my, 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 my child was burned. And she said, I don't know. I don't want to send to my kid, but 
they forcing me to sign the contract and to, to go there. That's why I go there. And they poured the hot water. My kid, when she come back, she just scared of water. I don't know how I'm going to send it tomorrow my kid to them again. She was crying like that. So you see, even the people in not inside the camps are suffering like that. They're forcing women work in the forced labor camp many factories and we are the individuals and any average person outside of the world directly connect with them how because we using those made in china products mm-hmm. we wearing many women may be wearing the wig those wigs were shaved by the uyghur um uyghur women in the camps those wow. wigs are the hair of uyghur women the millions tons of uh, wigs made in china came to here and they selling in the facebook and the social media there's nice wigs right made in china all of them those wigs all of them comes from china and they shave at the uyghur women in the camp and that's their hairs and we wearing that imagine that maybe when you wear that wigs this woman who you are wearing her hair but this woman are tortured in that camp and killed maybe Imagine that you are wearing t-shirt made in China, cotton t-shirt or other cotton product, picked by forced labor camp, the slave labor camp, Uyghur slaves, the mm-hmm. women like you, men like you, young men like you, mm-hmm. made those goods because they are a slave there in this 21st century. And we are using those products and indirectly supporting China's crime. And we are yeah. complicit to continuing of these, uh, the, those slave workers to suffer over there. So that's why we should boycott any kind of made in China product because it is, they don't, they never put this made by Uyghur or made by East Turkestan or Xinjiang or Urumqi, something mm-hmm. like that, right? So they, that's why we have to just boycott made in China. Then right, maybe right. we can stop. And we have to protest front of the, those big companies, corporations, they mm-hmm. all of them has a supply chains in China involved right. with forced labor. They have to send the independent investigation. They have to stop the forced labor. If not, we should boycott all of them. HM, Zara, um, many of them, you know, all of them made mm-hmm. in China. Gucci, LV, all of them, they're made in China, right? They're using right. Uyghur slave labor. But some people ask me, okay, how do we know it was made by Uyghur slave labor or paid by Chinese worker? Yeah. That's the problem because we cannot differentiate China lie. They don't. They never put on the tag where it was made. So mm-hmm. we have to boycott completely. If when we don't buy, when their economy economy is going down, they cannot because they want to be huge superpower. They want to control the world. They want to expand through Silk Road, right? The one yes. belt one road project. That's yes. why they're killing Uyghurs because they expanded the Silk Road to three carriers pass from East Turkestan. That's yeah. why they're killing Uyghurs. That's why they eliminate the Uyghurs because they want to totally control East Turkestan. So they, they don't want to, for example, anybody come from other Muslim countries, those Uyghurs are not Muslim, so they cannot get any effect like when, when they completely eradicate Muslims over there. So mm-hmm. they cannot get any influence from Muslim, Muslim other Muslims from the other countries when they come mm-hmm. to that region, right? So China cannot get any influence from other Muslim countries when these people become not Muslim. So, but if they are Muslim, they are different people. So they can easily unite it with other Muslim countries too. So that's China maybe worrying too. So that's why 
they want to kill all of the Uyghurs over there. And if we can contribute to um, contribute to stop China's economic expansion, that will help maybe China to rethink about their policy about a policy of genocide. They have to realize maybe there is a consequence. They have to realize there is a price to pay if they kill the Uyghurs and other Turkic Muslims in the region. Yes, 100%. And honestly, you know, to, to, to end this episode, I, I hope, you know, I hope that Muslim, Muslim majority governments or, you know, governments from the Muslim world, rather, and Western governments and the international community in general all get together and start putting some real pressure on China. And I hope to sorry yes. to interrupt you. I hope no, the no, Muslim countries it. really put this issue is differently. They shouldn't. I know the American hatred because an adversary of the the United States because what the United States did to the Mid Middle East before and the many of yes. the Muslim countries because they again as the United States they were and the United States is supporting Uyghurs and they don't want to support the Uyghurs. I mm. hope these countries should separate this issue with their relationship with the United States and Uyghur cause. They should separate it as two issue. Yes, yes, I, I, I hope so too. And all we can do is, is pray that something happens and really take initiative in this regard. You know, there is many ways you can reach out to your local representatives and you can put pressure on companies that have factories and, as you mentioned, supply chain and uh, based in China. And from there, once they see the numbers going down, only then will they start reconsidering what they're doing. But un until then, this genocide, unfortunately, seems like it's continuing unabated. Mm -hmm with uh with no stop to it and we keep hearing more and more atrocious stories coming out more barbaric stories that one shouldn't be hearing in this day and age um i'm uh, like i said it's this was a very deep topic and Ruhaya, i appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me on the tripolitan to discuss this issue and i hope that this episode will serve as you know a drop in the awareness ocean i hope this is you know, a way to contribute to the awareness campaign that's going on uh, for the Uyghur cause. And uh, hopefully people will realize China's, uh, China's level of atrocities that are being committed against uh, the Uyghur people who are our brothers and sisters. Thank you so much, Rukhaya, for being on. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and uh, liberate your people from the Chinese grip Thank you very much for having me. I want to thank the audience for being, uh, for listening to this episode today. Thank you all and have a good day.